Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Thank you so much for listening to a Vietnam podcast. You have no idea how much I appreciate it that you're listening to this. Season 8 is coming soon. I'm already starting to record episodes, so don't worry. But I've got another pod swap for you. This time, it's from my own second podcast. If you don't know already, I started a comedy podcast called Did That Really Happen back in December. And I talk to comedians from around the world. I play one of the jokes and then I ask them, Did that really happen? Because long before I ever started doing comedy, every time I heard comedians tell their crazy funny stories on stage, I always wondered just that question. So today I'm going to share with you an extra special episode of Did That Really Happen with a Saigon comedian, the first ever guest on a Vietnam podcast, and my good friend, J.K. Hobson. So enjoy the episode. Make sure you let me know what you think. Cheers. Ever heard a joke and wondered, did that really happen? My name's Neil Mackay, host of a Vietnam podcast and a comedian. Long before I ever started comedy, when I heard comedians tell the craziest, funniest stories, I would always wonder just this. And if I got the chance to meet them after the show, I would always ask them straight away, did that really happen? Nine times out of ten, the answer was yes. 
but the difference between sharing a funny story with friends and telling it on stage is a comedian's ability to take those moments and craft them into a well-worked joke. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk to comedians from around the world, play you one of their favorite jokes, then ask them, did that really happen? Today I'm talking to a good friend who's been performing regularly in Saigon since 2017 and has a caustic brand of humor which is full of takes on race, dating and a large range of social issues that made him a finalist in the Vietnam comedy competition. My guest today is J.K. Hobson. Let's hear the joke. I went to this music festival last year. I don't know what it's called, but it was like basically black music played by white people, you know what I mean? It was just, and nobody said a fucking word about it. It was like, you know, like white people, if all of a sudden there was a rodeo and it was all Indian dudes for some reason, right? That's, that shit would be weird, right? And nobody said anything. It wasn't like Indian rodeo, just a regular ass rodeo. It just happens to have all Indian people. You wouldn't think anything about it, would you? Would you, right? So I'm watching this shit, and uh, it's just so funny, man. Because like, I walk in the room, and music. <laughs> me link to and dominate this microphone. Me speak through. Me writing for the people. Bite it if you need to. And it's like a scrawny white dude with fucking elephant pants and like bad glasses. It's like what the fuck is going on here? Nobody's bad an eyelash. This is normal, right? Okay. We'll move on. I go to the next room, and there's a guy on stage. He's doing this song. Maybe you know this song, it's called All Right by Kendrick Lamar. You know the song, right? All Right, if you don't know, All Right by Kendrick Lamar is like the Black Lives Matter theme song, okay? It's all about like living in the hood, and it's just like lack of opportunity and education, the cops are trying to kill you, but we're gonna be all right, we're gonna be all right, right? And I'm watching this white dude singing this song to this like crowd of people who are all right by default, like what the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> like just write about the shit that you know about that's what hip-hop should be for right the first thing is going to happen to you the worst thing happen to you is maybe you like wake up next to a stranger and you lose your flip-flops right that's like the worst things that are going to happen to you like write about that shit you know what i mean and when i wake up i'm in the bed beside a girl with glitter makeup and i'm mad i can't find my flip-flops so i'm venting my aggression through this hip-hop right <laughs> Just talk about shit you know about. That's why I like Eminem. Because he's got skills and he talks about white boy shit. He doesn't try to be black. He talks about white boy shit, right? Like wanting to shoot up a school. And <laughs> hating your mother. <laughs> I went to Vung Tiao lately. Of course the blacks are laughing harder than everyone else. Let's the blacks. Strong support amongst the blacks. <laughs> so, JK, did that really happen? Yes. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily in that order, but absolutely. So tell us about the festival then. What, what was the order? What was the real story behind the joke? So... The festival, I don't want to, I don't want to say who the, the festival people are, because I, I know some of them and, you know, it's not that they're bad people. I just think that some people have blind spots when it comes to this stuff, which, which is the point of the joke is to, to point out how ridiculous it looks 
to somebody who doesn't share that blind spot, you know? Um, but the order that it happened, I got to the festival, like the day that it started, I got there, it was like morning or early afternoon and ran into Angie. You remember Angie, of course, and our friend Brittany, who they're both black, just for the audience who doesn't know them. And we're chilling, you know, I, I barely had a beer. I barely touched a beer to my lips when the, the, the all right thing happened, you know, which is the guy, the, the rapper on stage. And, and I'm not going to front the, the, the dude. It's not like he did a bad job because if you listen to the song, there's, there's a, there's a verse that is so, it's so fast. And that, you know, it's a Kendrick Lamar song. Like I've seen Kendrick Lamar do it live and he can barely do it, you know, cause the <laughs> verse is so, you know, it's just, it's like really packed with lyrics, but, um, but yeah. And the guy, you could tell he looks like he felt so proud of himself for learning the song, but the, the context in which I know the song in which I know the song was written, which is like after the Trayvon Martin decision. I don't know if, if you, if you know what that's about and George Zimmerman and, and just all these, these killings of black folks at the hands of, of the police and just, you know, regular ass white people who want to police people, you know, the, the, the context of that and knowing what the song is about, you know, and we're sitting there and this guy starts doing, and as soon as the song started, I was like, I, they're not doing this. And this, he did the whole song. He, did, he didn't say the N-word. I'll give him that. The guy knew enough to not say the N-word. But, and I, I was just, I was just flabbergasted, you know, and, and the thing is in that kind of situation, when something like that, like if I say something and Angie and Brittany and we all just looked at each other, like, wow, we were just laughing, you know, but the thing is, I know in that kind of situation, if I, if I say something like, you know, to somebody like, this is, this is like kind of ridiculous or this is kind of fucked up. I'm not, not even going to go into the cultural appropriation part of it, but it's just like, I don't understand in that context what that song is supposed to mean. Like, who is we, what are we going to be all right from? Like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, what are you, you understand what I'm saying? But you're making, you're making me feel terrible because I guarantee I would have been the white guy at the front of the crowd being like, yeah, we going to yeah. be all right. Because I don't yeah. know the song. Like you talk yeah. about that blind spot. I just yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. And lyrics always make me laugh as well because you think about like, go back to the Spice Girls, the second hit single, when two become one, we're going to make some love. And Britney Spears, hit me baby one more time. And you see these little like tweens are younger sitting dancing going like hit me baby and you're like you realize what you're saying right now like this yeah. is so lyrics i think sometimes get forgotten about because they're so easy to just sing you know that would be yeah. my excuse for having a blind spot to that and that's the thing about that's the thing about hip-hop that's so crazy is that you know i mean if you're talking about rappers that are actually making some kind of social commentary you know, which Kendrick Lamar absolutely is. If, if you watch the video, it becomes a little clearer what it's about. It's a very good video. But it, it, if the beat is too good, then it's like people can just dance to it. It just becomes like background noise for your party, you know? Well, we were in a, a bar last week and there was like a remix of This Is America and, you know, by Childish Gambino. And I remember I turned to Adrian and I said, 
What do you think Childish Gambino would think about right now if he heard this? Because obviously I've seen the video for that and I know the, the deep meaning from that song. But then you hear it in a bar with like a remix and like a bass line and a beat. And it's, you know, like you just said, it'd just be easy to dance to and not think. And it's like the, the, this mix has just lost all meaning to this really deep song. Or would he just not care? Like, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that and I think that there are people that don't know that. But, for example, the guy who's doing the song, All Right, he knows he had to learn all those lyrics. So he knows exactly yeah, what that's he's true. saying. Yeah, that would get, he that's knows true. Yeah, what yeah. it's about. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? There's like, like yeah. don't, like, make no mistake. I don't know if yeah, you've ever yeah. learned a, a, a hip-hop song from beginning to no. end. It no. takes concentration, like, just to be able to write that stuff, to be able to repeat it. So he knows, he knows what it's about, you know, but he just wanted to have his chance. And, and again, you could tell he felt so proud of himself. And, and here's the other funny thing, because the other part of the joke is true too, which is that, you know, and it, but that happened later. Like I, I reversed yeah. the order in which things happened. So it was later in the evening. It's like maybe three in the morning and a lot of the stages are closed. The only stage that is open is like this drum and bass stage, which I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of music. It's like loud and like everybody's on drugs, essentially, you know, <laughs> and, and, and high enough so that when these, like, I think they were English white guys go on stage with these big booming Jamaican accents, like nobody bats an eyelash. Everybody just accepts it as, you know, and, and it just, it's just so funny to me. Because, by the way, this festival did not have one black artist on it. It was just black music, black, just bam, 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 you know. And I think in those kinds of spaces, I think that there are people that that like that. Because I think this is known, at least a lot of black musicians know this, that at least to the music industry, the music industry seems to think, and it might be true, that, that white people would sometimes rather hear other white people doing black music badly than to hear black people do it well. You know, well, that goes all the way back Elvis. to like Elvis. Yeah, yeah, this is the way all the way back to Elvis. Elvis. Hashtag every boy band in sync, Backstreet Boys who are basically doing like, you know, uh, 90s R&B. But it's like the music industry, so oh, we, we can't have little white girls listening to black R&B <laughs> groups and throwing their panties at them. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like Elvis all over again. This is safe, in sync, and backstage just safe white boys. And you got one dangerous one, like Donnie Wahlberg. He's, he's almost black, but, he's not, but we're not getting that crazy, you know? And so... Well, I like and, your... I was going to say, I like your Eminem take on it as well, because I've been a fan of Eminem since, since he since he blew up really like and I was only like 16 17 at the time and you you point out things I didn't really think about I'm like yeah he's like rapping about white boy stuff he's not trying to to be anyone he's not here's the thing you seen that movie you seen that movie office space oh, I love it yeah 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 you yeah, yeah when the guys the, in the car when the guys in the that car rapping <laughs> that is like that part is the part if for anybody who hasn't seen it it's like the beginning credits of the movie. It's the movie hasn't even yeah. started yet, and they're showing this white guy with with glasses. Just it looks like me. Like, he looks like basically it's they show Neil. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Neil is in this movie. You should see it. Please watch it. Get him some streams. And the guy's driving, and he's and he's blasting this song, uh, the the diary by Scarface. Which Scarface is like a very kind of underrated kind of gangster rapper, you know. And and this shit is so. The song is so hard. I can't. I can't talk to my mama, so I talk to my diary. And he's just, you know, he's singing all along with it. He's feeling all good about himself. And then there's like a, a, a black dude, like a homeless guy asking for change. And, and he's like, like, just totally harmless. And the guy's like, oh, 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 oh shit. And he starts rolling up the window. Rolls up his window, right? Ball, yeah. It turns the volume <laughs> down like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. A, weird, a real one right there. And you know what? I always think when I'm in these spaces of these festivals, like, like of a bunch of Jamaican dudes, like a real Jamaican dude that look like <laughs> these dudes sound like. We're just standing in front of the stage, yeah. just like with the arms folded. Just look, oh these guys goodness. would be like, "Oh fuck, this is the here's a real one right here." You know what I mean? They wouldn't be, they wouldn't yeah, feel yeah, so comfortable. Sure. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. That said, yeah, Eminem. I mean, I think Eminem is he, he's. I mean, although I'm I'm not his biggest fan, I I cannot front on his his lyrical skills. Like the guy is just he just rhymes entire sentences. You know, I'm his his. I'm not really into his his uh his content so much a lot of his stuff is just about himself or he's like killing his girlfriend or some shit like it's <laughs> like what but again like who raps about that you know who yeah. raps about that you know i guess like necro or whatever you know but but i also the thing about eminem i feel like because dr dre produced his music i think dr dre was kind of like all right em so nobody's gonna believe you're a gangster don't try to do this gangster shit like NWA, because people are going to check you and you're just not hard like that. But what you got to be is the craziest white boy, just psychopathic, just like some trench coat mafia shit with a mic. And, that, mm. and that's what he did, you know. And, and obviously, he does talk about violent shit. And right. he does, he, at least, he used to hate his mother. I don't know what his relationship is like with his mother now, but he used to talk about yeah. how much he hated his mom so much. And that's, that's like, I don't know. I don't know how much of that part resonates. Cause you know, the, the difficult thing about doing the kind of stuff I do is that, you know, the audiences in Saigon, it's mostly white people. You know what I mean? So, so it's a calculated risk to say that, that like white boy shit, like wanting to shoot up a school and hating your mother to, largely white men in the audience it's a calculated risk but i have to take because <laughs> it's, it's why i do it you know well i was gonna add to to the comment about office space as well i love this scene and i think it may be the first episode of atlanta again with childish gambino um what's his first name again not danny glover uh donald glover everybody gets that donald glover. nobody donald, i know i knew it wasn't danny glover i knew that was the guy from lethal weapon but i was right. like i know no, no, yeah. his name again. i get donald it wrong glover. all the time yeah <laughs> um when he said he meets like the white guy that works in the studio with him, and he starts dropping like the N bomb, yeah, and he kind of looks at him like what? And then when he meets like some quote unquote real black guys, yeah, and he's like, "What was that story you were telling me earlier?" And he just clams up and it's similar mm -hmm. to what you're saying, like, he mm -hmm. thinks, like oh, "I'm not going to tell that story mm -hmm. now because there's, mm -hmm. you know, that that's kind of a similar similar thing, I guess." Yeah, I mean, and that's a mark of like what people, you know, part of when. Somebody, you know, I won't get into the other story, but the, the thing about the dude calling me, uh, calling me boy. And then I had to 
you know, threaten to slap the taste out of his mouth, which we, we can reserve that for another episode, which also absolutely ha- it's It's like not even just when somebody drops the N-bomb or says some, it's not even that they did it. It's that they thought they could do it in front of you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because they're saying something about you. There's a fundamental disrespect. And, you know, and that's, you know, so, and the thing is, again, you know, when these things happen, you know, like when the thing happens at, like at the festival, I know if I'm, if I, if I get in my feelings about it and say the absolute truth, like, what are you doing? Then I'm the problematic yeah, you know, you're up on something. stage, like, all right, all right, stop this now, everyone. Yeah, right, yeah exactly. exactly. Right. And that doesn't yeah. feel good to have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. have to police people, which is one of the reasons I'm glad I do stand up because I always well, have. Well, it's about to say, yeah. yeah. At least you have that outlet that you'll, from yeah. the point of this podcast, obviously these things happen and, and you're probably similar to me. You're just like, this is going to be a joke. Because do you remember I did a set at the open mic recently where all I did was read out the message that that guy sent me? Yeah, I was like quite angry, and then I sent him back like a really nice, thoughtful, well, you structured message, and he just responded, didn't read it. Yeah, and I was telling that to someone else what exactly what happened, and he was like, "That's amazing that you found that funny." He's like, "That says a lot about you," because like I would be like really angry and hurt and pissed off if he just told me he didn't read my message that I'd spent hours crafting. <laughs> Whereas when you got that message, you were just like, ha, I'll tell this on stage. This is funny. And I was like, oh, I'd never really thought about that. So my, my last question to you, though, is I'm interested to hear you there's said a, how you there's, re- a big, there's a big, there's a big, uh, this is a cautionary tale to, to anyone that, that knows a comedian or is, has any contact with, be careful what you say, because <laughs> you could end up on the, in the wrong side of a bit. And I've had people do stuff to me and, and did bits about them in front of them, you know, and it was, and it's, it's so <laughs> satisfying, you know, way more satisfying than, you know, having to confront people, you know, cause, cause people can gaslight you to death. <laughs> well, my, so my last that. question was going to be, you mentioned you reversed the, you reversed what happened to fit the joke. So just explain how you came up with a joke, how you took that real life scenario and then structured it in a way that then you can tell in a way on stage it's going to get laughs. Because one of the concepts of this podcast is you could just get up on stage and just say exactly what happened. It'd maybe get a laugh, but it wouldn't be the same as the way you tell it. You've structured that. And that's one of my favorite jokes of yours. And it gets big laughs every time, apart from last night, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. That was rough. That was a rough, rough crowd. Rough crowd that <laughs> see me do that joke a million times too. Yeah. Um, well, I think the thing that, because I have some jokes that I feel like I have to explain. Like I said, you know, a lot of times I'll be doing this stuff in front of like largely white audiences, you know? And I think that most people probably feel the way that you do. Like, what's the problem? He's just, he's just singing a song, you know? And so that's why there's a part where, and I say this in one of the versions, I'm not sure it's, it's in the version that, that you're airing, but you know, it, it's, I'm talking about how ridiculous it looks to me. And so then I have to, what I ended up adding to it was like, imagine if you went to a rodeo, which obviously a rodeo is generally thought of as, as being a largely white thing. Although I have been to a black rodeo, believe it or not, but you got to call it like the soul rodeo or you got to call it the black rodeo. I, I say, imagine if you went to a rodeo 
And it was all Indian dudes for some reason. Like if there was a rodeo at like in Texas and it was all, I'm not talking about Native American. If it was like India, like Calcutta type Indian dudes doing the rodeo, people would be flipping out. People will be losing their goddamn, like what kind of rodeo is this? So I have to, you know, I have to draw the, the, the parallel in order to get people to see, you know, and it, it, it doesn't exactly look that ridiculous, but that's, you know, but that's, that's a part of the joke is to, to draw attention to the outrage and, you know, maybe exacerbate it a little bit. So the order that it was, that it actually happened, like I said, the we gonna be all right thing, that was the most egregious offense to me. Because again, that song came out in, in the wake of Trayvon Martin getting killed by George Zimmerman, which was the beginning of, of the, the, the verdict for that was the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then after that, you had Tamir Rice and Sandra Bland and all this like real stuff. And, and so you had some great music that came out as a result of that. You had, you know, Kendrick Lamar, you know, Beyonce did Lemonade. You know, you had Run the Jewels have a, a bunch of songs about this very topic. You know, it's just like a serious thing. And that's, that was a very traumatic time for, you know, a lot of people that look like me, for myself, for sure. You know, so then, so then this, so that was the most egregious thing. The other thing, by that time, by the time the dudes went on stage faking Jamaican and all that stuff, I was just like, okay, I kind of knew, you know, so, but I had to, I had to, you know, as it is with comedy, you know, when you have these situations, you know, sometimes you group them in threes, you yeah. know, it has to elevate. It has to get more and more, you know, offensive or egregious or intense <laughs> or ridiculous or funny, you know? So that's, that's why I reversed the order. I couldn't do, you know, the was, we gonna be all right thing and then scale down to just, you know, white guys in elephant pants singing with <laughs> big Jamaican voices, <laughs> which is also ridiculous, but yeah. I read an article just this week on Vice. They were interviewing four white people who had dreadlocks and asking them about, <laughs> about that. Now, we won't get into that. I'll send you the article. It's, uh, it's interesting. Here's the thing about Southeast Asia. It's people like a certain kind of person likes to come out here and do shit that they know they couldn't get away with in another place. Like if they were in New York, somebody would be like, eh. That's not cool anymore. You can't, you know, but, but in Southeast Asia, it's like the last bastion of hope, you know, for people who want to remain ignorant to these, these <laughs> kinds of, you know, reality or these opinions. Because the thing is, you know, it's, if you have dreadlocks, it's not like you're going to be crucified anywhere. It's not like, you know, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to be completely ostracized. Somebody might say something to you like, hey, what's up with that? You know what I mean? But, you know, you can still go on and do it. But I think out here, there's less of that conversation happening. So people come out. This here. article was yeah. interviewing people in America, just to just to add yeah. to that. But so, oh, yeah, my singer, my just, singer for for Crisis used to have like long ass dreadlocks. She still does. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. And then yep. just quickly as well, you then added your own rap to that, which I think was just. Um, I've asked you before, but doing musical comedy, you're obviously a background of as, as a musician. So I think that was also like just peak of that joke was you adding your own lyrics to that song. Yeah. And it's, it's the, I used the rhythm and the cadence of, of the original song. You said, he goes, uh, and when I wake up, I realize you're only looking at, looking at me for the pay cut. I remember all the lyrics, you know, so it's kind of like a little weird owl thing. You know what I mean? Which is just yeah, yeah. like, take the lyrics and, and just, uh, you know, change them to suit, to suit my comedic 
desires, you know, but for anybody who knows the song, you know, I was kind of a shout out to anybody who knows the song. And, and if it ever happens that, you know, on the rare occasion, there might be some black people in the audience <laughs> at the comedy show. Like, you know, they, they get like a little extra, you know, I get like a little extra boot. I told that show once at your show at Wham. And when I got to the part about, uh, you know, he just, he just talks about, and when I'm just talks about white boy shit, like wanting to shoot up a school and hating your mother, like the audience laughed. So there was like, ah, and it comes out. And then there's these two black girls in the back, just like giggling and stomping their feet. And that was just so sad. It just made me laugh. So I just, I just, you know, I just responded to that. I'll send you, a, I'll send you that version. Um, but that, that always, that always makes me feel good too. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much, JK. A pleasure as always to talk to you. Now, depending on whether you've seen the episodes before or not, I'm going to, or seen, sorry, listen to, I'm going to ask you to tell people where to follow you. Okay. But what I've told people before, you don't need to spell out your Instagram. You don't need to spell out your TikTok. Just tell people where they can follow you and we'll put the links in the show notes. I've, I've said this in the beginning and people are like spelling out their whole like Instagram handle and it's like, no, 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 it's, you don't need to spell it out. Just tell people where can they follow you, where can they find you and we'll put the links to that in the notes. Okay. Uh, you could follow me at Jawanza Hobson on Facebook. Good luck, folks. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just not put it in the notes and see if people can find you. No, right, yeah, okay. right. don't don't follow me there. Uh, <laughs> I should be the one exception. You know what I mean? Like I got to. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> you too. Um, J.K. Hobson. Well, you, use your white guy name. Use your white guy name. My white guy name. Why can this initial my slave name? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well, this is Christ, another dude. joke. This is another one of your hard. jokes. This is one of your jokes. But we'll do that. We'll keep that one for another episode. J.K. Hobson on Instagram, J.K. Hobson on Facebook, Asia Out Loud on Facebook, and uh, We Out Here Expat Podcast. I don't know if we'll do any more of those, but that's uh, you can check me out there as well. Awesome. I'll have the links in the show notes, right? Awesome, J.K. Thank you so much. I will see you soon. Be good, man. Thank you. See you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Did That Really Happen? A new podcast from 7 Million Bikes. I've been your host, Neil Mackay. If you enjoyed that and want to hear from comedians around the world about their jokes and if they are true, then make sure to follow and subscribe from wherever you are listening from right now and follow 7 Million Bikes on social media. The links are in the show notes. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. A big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community members and everyone who supports us. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can join the community today. The link is in the description and you'll get free event tickets, free 7 million bikes face mask and invites to special member events. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and we hope you can listen to future episodes too so you can laugh, connect and discover. Cheers.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.